Hey guys, what's going on? All your be- beautiful, bright, smiling faces. Packed house, everybody got a seat. There's nobody standing on against the wall except for Marlon. So just hold the wall up back there. Um, so yesterday, kind of a big deal. Jacob Early and Amy Underwood are now Jacob and Amy Early. So, and... I guess they're probably over the North Atlantic somewhere, getting ready to land in Paris. So, uh, man, that was just a wonderful time and just a beautiful thing. How many people believe God is a God of restoration? How many people believe God is a God of love? Yeah, and, you know, in this situation when God brings those two things together and marries them, it's just such a powerful, powerful thing. And, uh, man, that was awesome to be a part of. So... Um, hey, I wanted to tell you too. Well, before I get started, I just wanted to honor Becky. I just want to say, because didn't Becky do a great job of leading us this morning? And uh, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for just being, you know, for 20 years, Becky has been leading this church with Byron. And uh, she's just such a, a picture of a of a woman who has never has decided to always blaze new trails in the kingdom. And uh, I've just seen you grow in grace. Um, <laughs> I'm sure both for yourself and for other people and also teaching me a lot about life and grace and life in the kingdom. And how many other people could echo that sentiment? <laughs> There's hands up all over the room. So um, thank you, Becky, for being here. And yeah, so... <laughs> I'm sure that was uncomfortable for her for me to say that, but I just really wanted to do that because uh, I'm feeling a little sentimental, <laughs> no, a little sentimental uh, as uh, we're headed out to Chapel Hill this spring, and uh, our biggest obstacle right now is for our house going on the market this month to sell, so you guys pray for us, pray for Terry Manning, who's our agent, and everybody involved, because the bottom line is, if the Lord said sell it, there's already a buyer out there, right? So um, anyway, it's a beautiful, yeah, it's a beautiful four-bedroom, three-bath farmhouse. If you're interested, you can see me afterwards. Uh, just, just joking around, but you never know. <laughs> we could just auction it off right here now. <laughs> so uh, we were down there last Sunday evening, as you probably know, and had a wonderful time. Had a fantastic team from here go with us. Gosh, probably 15 people, I bet, were down there with us and just had a great time. We're just doing a monthly meeting right now just to get our feet on the ground there one Sunday night a month and worship and pray and proclaim and decree and meet a few folks as well. So that was wonderful, and we had a great time doing that. And uh, Jake and Sarah led us in worship, and uh, one of the uh, college students there gave us a gave us an awesome testimony about an event they had done there for intercessors and students called the launch recently. And then we were just preaching the kingdom and really had a wonderful time. And we are, it was our first meeting in the building that God's provided for us. It's an event center there that we're, we're renting monthly right now, eventually weekly. So, um, man, that's a big deal, you know, to have a place like that. And there's so much less br- set up and breakdown. Because it's an event center, there's already chairs, we walk in, there's a video screen, you know, we just set up a little sound system and we're ready to go. So, it's just been awesome to see the continual open doors that God is opening for River Life Chapel Hill. And um, I wanted to thank all of you for your prayers. 
your financial support, everything that you're doing to see this dream become a reality for this church and our family and a few others who are going. So it's just an awesome, awesome thing. Um, before I get cranking on my message here, I also wanted to mention or just pray. Um, last week, I think Byron mentioned uh, Bob Jones's memorial service. Um, if you don't know who Bob Jones is, it's not of Bob Jones University. It's quite a bit different. Um, but uh, <laughs> Bob Jones was really a prophet in the kingdom. Um, and uh, just I can't go on and explain who he was. But anyway, he graduated. He got to go on to heaven um, and uh, on Valentine's Day. And so at his memorial service at Morningstar a week ago from Friday, um, a guy who had served him and Bonnie for the past seven years as just kind of like their driver and assistant, just a very humble guy, you know, he spoke at the memorial and uh, Bob had actually given him the shepherd's rod that he was carrying. And he said, one of the things that stood out to me was he said, you know, um, Bob's legacy or his, his mantle, I don't think is meant to reside on just one person, but really a whole generation. And you guys, you and us, we're, we're that generation that's going to carry that prophetic mantle, the dreams, visions, and revelations of the kingdom into our generation to see the billion-soul harvest that Bob talked so much about come in, the final generation. I believe that. And uh, I was reminded of something recently along those lines is think about this. During Moses' generation, the Pharaoh issued a decree to kill all the babies, right? Kill all the baby boys, to take them out. That was the enemy's plan from the beginning. As we know, Moses escaped in the basket, ends up becoming the prince of Egypt, and God's sovereign hand protected him. He became the deliverer, right? And then in Jesus' generation, what happened? The same thing. Herod issued a decree, kill all the Hebrew baby boys. But as you know, an angel appeared, told his dad, go to Egypt, spared his life. The Messiah lived his life. And now since 1973, the enemy has decreed through the abortion holocaust to kill all the babies, as many of the babies as you can. And I was telling a group of students recently, I was born in 74. You and I are, you know, we're, we're a part of that generation. We're, we're survivors of this holocaust. We're a part of that generation. Could it be that this is the final generation to usher in the second return of the Messiah, the second return of Christ? I don't know, I can't say that for sure, but it is kind of interesting that the enemy, he doesn't know everything. He's not sovereign or certainly know the end from the beginning, but he can kind of, I think, look at things and try to guess on what it is. In fact, you know, it says in the Bible that if he would have known what it would have meant to crucify Jesus, you know, him and his cronies would have never done it, basically, in layman's terms. And um, so I want to know if you will rise with me and just be a part of this final generation to pull in the kingdom and see the greatest harvest in the history of the world. I believe it's already started. Um, maybe it's in Asia and the Middle East. You know, you hear these little reports. We're going to see it happen. I believe that's the reason why River Life Chapel Hill is to begin. As Bob always talked about young people, I mean, there's a lot of families. There's a lot of students. It's going to be an epicenter of harvest. This area is going to be an epicenter of harvest. This, isn't, this Mooresville is, a, is an area of champions. Me and Jeff were talking about that this week. Think about it. I mean, we've got the professional bull rider, associate, professional bull rider champion, J.B. Mooney. 
We've got a Super Bowl champion, and now we have the Daytona 500 winner, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr., all in the same season, in the same year. God is raising up champions in Mooresville to destroy the works of darkness. And um, so what this gentleman at the memorial did is he said, just symbolically hold up your torch, and he said, and you can go back and give this away. So we did this last Sunday night, and let me just warn you, in a good way, right after this, my wife and I began to have dreams, like substantial dreams. Um, In one of the dreams, an angel came to Sarah in the dream. I'm not going to go into all the details of that. But the Lord wants to just um, re- uh, carry on this torch through you, through dreams, visions, and revelations of the Lord. I really believe that. With all of my heart, I'm not just up here trying to hype it. But uh, if you want that, just raise your torch here. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit, says the Lord, will be the generation. God, we want to carry the torch. God, we want to be those like Bob who contended to usher in a new era of the kingdom into our generation, Lord. We believe that the greater works of Christ will be done in us and our children and our children's children. Lord, as we see, as we, as we long, as we await your return, God, we cast our eyes to the heavens and we cast our eyes into your heart today, Papa, and we say, let your kingdom be done. Let your will be done here. And so right now, just impart, God, by your spirit, that mantle, that prophetic mantle for this generation. And everybody agreed. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, you know, God's got a garden. How many people like to garden? Any gardeners in here? Wow, look how many gardeners there are. All right. Get your hands in the dirt. What is it about gardening? You like to garden, don't you, Becky? Flower gardens? <laughs> a little bit, as long as it doesn't work you too hard. Byron's shaking his head saying, I have to do all the work. But, uh, yeah, God's got a garden. And, uh, I mean, think about that. Literally, Genesis records that back in the beginning, he planted a physical garden literally where heaven touched earth. He planted a garden... And uh, physically, it was somewhere around like uh, Baghdad, Iraq, or Kuwait, somewhere in there, I believe, in the Middle East, because Genesis records that the Tigris and Euphrates, the mouth of those two rivers, were there. And there was a couple other rivers mentioned that aren't there anymore, And because uh, I think that garden was ultimately destroyed by the flood. But anyway, um, isn't that interesting that that garden, you know, was probably the site somewhere around in there, the Tower of Babel? which became Babylon of King Nebuchadnezzar, which became Baghdad. Isn't that interesting how the enemy has tried to come in there and even physically, you know, mess with this garden, even though there's some amazing things happening in Baghdad right now. I heard a testimony that was one of the most phenomenal testimonies of this um, Muslim girl who just dramatic conversion through dreams and visions of Jesus came to her in Baghdad. It was just an amazing testimony. But anyway, God's got a garden. And the beautiful thing about it is, is we are called to cultivate it. We're called to live in that place right now. And you say, well, how can we live there now? Because his garden is a spiritual garden. It was there physically. One day it will return 
He'll recreate that. But right now, that garden lives inside of you, the Bible teaches. There's another name for it is the kingdom. And, uh, you know, Byron's kind of been talking about living the kingdom, principles of the kingdom in the Beatitudes, right, recently. And I want to talk this morning about cultivating a garden. So click on Joshua 1 with me, if you will, or turn there. Or just look up on the screen. (laughs) One of the greatest hindrances to the garden or to the kingdom, I believe, is disappointment. It's despair. It's what you believe should have been. Like that flower should have grown, but I killed it. (laughs) What you believe should be that isn't at least yet. Right? And if you think about Joshua's generation, here was a young man who grew up with his elder generation, his parents' generation, who became one of the greatest generations. I alluded to them a few moments ago, Moses' generation. And Moses became the great deliverer. They walked out of 400 plus years of slavery, escaped Egypt, amazing supernatural interventions of the father, And they end up on their way somewhere. And they're in process. You know the story probably, unless you're new to the Bible. But um, in the story, Moses' generation, because of their unbelief, they all die out in the wilderness, including the great leader. I think sometimes we glance over the heartache of that. We, We go right to Joshua 1 that says, after the death of Moses... It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. That was uh, Brian's cousin. And, uh, yeah, cuz right there, Josh. Uh, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. You know, Moses is dead. This great man, this guy that you honored, this, this guy that you hung out with, this guy that taught you to practice the presence of the Lord. He's dead. He, he's passed away. My, what a, what a terrible moment. What, what a terrible feeling that must have been. Um, how Joshua must have felt so unqualified to go out and do anything. You mean if Mo doesn't get to go in, I am? Are you sure? Because that guy, he had like a stick when he held it out, like water parted. I mean, crazy stuff. What am I going to do? But he thought back to the stories he had heard from the ancestors from hundreds of years before. And he remembered that in the story, not only had God planted a garden, but he filled it with something. He filled it with his presence. The Bible calls it his glory. A hundred years at Azusa Street, they gave him a, a name called Shekinah. He filled it with Shekinah glory. His manifest presence was in the garden. Now Moses figured out how to tap back into that. Well, he didn't figure it out. God gave it to him. God gave it to him literally in a cloud. And so Joshua had the privilege and the honor of being able to go in there with Moses and experience that cloud. So now in the story, God's called Josh to take all these four million, whatever, how many there were people, across the Jordan now into a new garden. Let's just use that analogy because I think it fits. Take these people into a new garden. This is going to be a new place. And I think 
in a similar way, we stand here in an era of human history where God's taken us into a new garden. Everything's shifted. Everything's changed. Like Bob, a lot of the saints and the leaders of, of the old uh, uh, I don't know how to say that. The old school. That doesn't sound right. Some of that generation is passing on. They're the old guard, the old gardens. Yeah, the old garden nurse. There you go. They're passing on and they're becoming great, a part of the great cloud of witnesses, which, by the way, is just right here. You know, as Michelle Perry says, you can just lean into it. It's just right here. You know, that realm is just like, walking into the next room or something. Because in a garden, Jesus restored it. You know? (laughs) Like Jonathan Helser sings, in a garden we fell, but in a garden he prayed, not my will, but yours be done. And paradise was restored, wasn't it? Man, my life don't feel like paradise. (laughs) Have you ever felt that way? Boy, it feels good on Sunday morning. Worship is going. And then I walk out the door and where was paradise? Yeah, that's what I want to get to this morning. Because, you know, there were a lot of giants in the land. There was a lot of gardening to do, wasn't there? And boy, Josh had his hands full. He had an ornery bunch. They were <laughs> They were something. But I think by the grace of God and the presence of the Lord, Joshua was able to take them in. Let me just finish some of these words here. He said, uh, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I, was with, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. See, that's what the Lord declares over you this morning. As I was with Bob Jones, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. Let's say that together. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Number two, he says it again, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commended you. Do not turn from it to the right, to the left, that you may prosper. Everybody say prosper. And this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. There's a big key. That you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. How many people want to be successful? If you're not raising your hand, you're lying. So just, <laughs> everybody wants to be successful. That's the hope in life. Have I not commanded you? What does it say again? Be strong and of good courage. Anytime the Bible says something three times, you probably better pay attention because it wasn't just for Joshua and his generation. It's for me and Will and Heather and Marlon and everybody around this room to be strong and of good courage. Why? Because the garden is full of rotten stuff and thorns and giants and all these things. But by His Spirit, the cross is made away. Through all those, every giant is defeated if. Everybody say if. 
if you will put the cross right here in your mind between this and that next room. The cross is the gateway. The mind is the gateway. The cross is that bridge into the supernatural world. Jesus said it's the kingdom, right? We've heard a lot about this. That's the garden that we're meant to live. We need to learn how to steward the kingdom well. And I believe that's where the Lord's positioned us right now at River Life is stewarding the kingdom. Help us. Help us. It's a scary thing to talk about. I mean, I think just about my own personal life. That's a scary thought. Like stewarding the kingdom. Think about it. Adam and Eve, they were given this beautiful garden, Katie. And they're like, okay, now you guys get to take care of it. And by the way, you see that little uh, porcupine? What do you want to call it? Porcupine. Okay, it shall be. You know, I mean, you get this whole, I mean, what an incredible picture of kingdom authority. You know what I mean? That this guy or this gal, they get to speak and things are named. They get to release destiny, if you will. Whoo, mercy, Lord. Help us, God. Help us to bridle our tongues, Lord, that our tongue would really release kingdom authority and spread goodness and light wherever we go. Jesus said this in Mark 4, 24. Consider carefully what you hear. He continued. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So there's, you see that? There's that um, issue of stewardship, isn't there, in that verse. So what is he asking us to steward? What you hear. (laughs) Yeah, the kingdom, you're right. But let me read it again. Consider carefully what you hear. It's not there anymore. Consider carefully what you hear. Oh, oh, there it is. Oh, yeah, and it's in the NKJV. I wasn't reading the NIV. Take heed what you hear. Everybody say what. Why did he say what? Because there's so many things to hear out there. Is anybody familiar with a voice other than the Holy Spirit when you wake up in the morning? How about when you go to the grocery store? I'm buying way too much food right now for all these kids that are growing. You know, there's all these things telling us the opposite of you will prosper and be successful. Right? There's all these decisions to make. So Jesus says specifically, be careful what you hear, and I think it's safe to say what you see. What you hear and what you see with your spiritual senses. Because while it's true that I've restored, that Jesus restored the garden into our reality, it's also true that we have this natural flesh, we have this natural realm to deal with. Alright? Now, I risk beating a dead horse here because we talk about this an awful lot, but really this message is a challenge. Not In order to steward the kingdom, we have to continually let ourselves be reminded of what the kingdom is, And what keeps us from seeing it and hearing it? And primarily what that is, and there's the cares of life and all this, but it's this thing between our ears. It's this 
mind. It's this physical brain that's telling us that things are true that just ain't. Excuse my English. That just are not true. (laughs) She's back there somewhere. (laughs) I want to dedicate this message to Jeff Miller. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Number one, very simple points. These are not rocket science. Three points here. Number one, what we hear and see depends on who we're listening to or looking at. Number two, what we hear depend or what we hear or see depends on what we're listening for. And number three, what we hear and what we see depends on how we're listening. Pretty basic, right? Philip said this. You know, think about Philip. He was one of the twelve, right? Philip and Nathaniel. Remember he called them back towards the beginning of the gospel. He said this in John fourteen eight. I mean, <laughs> John 14, it's kind of late in the story. I mean, I think an awful lot of water's gone, gone under the bridge, right? Like a lot of things have happened. And Phil is still struggling, you know, with this. <laughs> Whenever they ask a question, it always blows me away. We have the privilege of hindsight's twenty twenty, right? We can see mostly now that these are stupid questions, you know. But if you ever had a teacher say there are no stupid questions, as a teacher, that's factually untrue. But anyway, um, they ask, <laughs> no. The only stupid questions are, Mr. Bollinger, do I have to take the test today? Yes, you're taking the test today. That's a stupid question. Uh, It's not a good question. But anyway, Philip says, Jesus, show us the Father, and it will be sufficient for us. And Jesus shakes his head and says to him, Have I been with you so long, and and yet you have not known me, Philip? You still don't get this? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else, if that's not good enough, Phil, believe me for the sake of the works themselves. In Joshua's day, it was like, stack up these rocks, and when your children and your children's children see these, then if they don't believe me, at least remember the works of what I've done. The parting of the Red Sea, and then the parting of the Jordan to come into the new garden, the promised land. Believe on those things in your life. Whenever you're questioning or the enemy's making you doubt that you live in a garden, Think back to all the beautiful things that he's created in that garden that you know is real. Because thanksgiving is the doorway into that garden. Talk about this in a minute. But if you're really struggling either with a critical attitude or just gloominess and despair, you know, you know how you get in those modes. I'm, I'm there with you in that battle. I challenge you, just begin to thank God. Even if you can't think of anything, make it up, you know, (laughs) say it out loud. Thank you, God. I'm breathing. Okay, I've got breath. I'm breathing. If you're not breathing, thank God for Aaron early. 
You know, because he's just a great drummer or something like that. You know, just thank God for something. Because Thanksgiving literally will shift the atmosphere. Just like we were singing here. um, What was that last phrase we were singing like 38 times? Yeah, that one. I was like, oh, this is so fun. Making a way when there is no way. Making a way when there is no way. And I really apologize if you wonder why we sing the same sentence 38 times. I really do. Well, let me just provide a layman's definition for why. Because we found that when we do, it's like there's a breath of heaven that begins to breathe breathe through the garden of our spirits that causes us to see things and hear things that our natural mind and man doesn't always experience. That's the beauty of worship. I'm getting ahead of myself in the message. But worship creates and cultivates. It's like the fertilizer in the garden, right? You put it in the soil. It's like miracle grow. (laughs) That stuff is springing up. So what we hear and see depends on who we're listening to or looking at. I'm going to talk in a minute about how to continue to cultivate who that is. Number two, what we hear depends on what we are listening for. You know, I've discovered that you'll, you'll pay attention to what you want to hear is really the truth. People go, well, God's not speaking. Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> he, God's always speaking. God's always shouting. I mean, for that matter, I sharing your pain. I am spiritually deaf to that oftentimes. But God is speaking. God is moving. We choose what we're going to look at. We choose what we're going to listen to. You know, again, to use an analogy as an educator, the truth about education is this, and everybody has their opinion and their philosophies about what creates a good education, but here's what I discovered as a teacher. An education is what you make it. You know, you can put a good student in a daggum, you know, (laughs) the worst educational environment. And I challenge you, I bet you they'll still learn. Because they want to learn. It's what they make it. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have good things to encourage that and whatever. And what about the people that don't want to learn? You know, well, you know, God bless them. But, um, you know, in the same way, what we hear depends on what we want to listen for going to talk in a minute about how to focus in, zero in. Now, how? So we've talked about who, what. What we hear and see depends on how. 1 Corinthians 2.10-16 through 16. There is now no separation between heaven and earth. So what limits us? Oh, sorry, that wasn't part of the verse. I was reading that like it was in the Bible, but that was just something I had written down. <laughs> Let me say it again. There is no separation between heaven and earth. So what limits us? Well, I think you know. Here's what the Bible says. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. I, I, I just believe that we're a generation that craves, hungers the deep things of God. Enough of church and religion and being a nice person. I mean, heck, if this whole Christian thing is just being about a nice person, I mean, that's nice. But there's a lot of those. I want to be a part of a generation that craves to walk in kingdom authority and power 
not for our glory, but for His. That He gets all the glory. That the captives are set free. That all those in our generation that are bound by depression and bipolar disorder, at the sound of His voice that flows through us, will just be healed and set free. I just... That's what we're talking about here. It's the really important stuff. The deep things. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And then, you know, biblically, let me remind you, that word know is to know by experience. That we have experienced the things given to us by God. So we know those things. It's like those Israelites walking across the bed of the Jordan River, the the walls of water on their sides. They know that. They know that nothing is impossible with God. That's the things of God. These things... We also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Ken and I were talking about this, I think, this week. How many people have ever struggled to find words to explain something to somebody of the Spirit? It's just like, I, 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 I just, you know, and sometimes people might be trying to kind of question your theology or whatever, and you just, I don't, mm, you know. <laughs> the things of the Spirit are almost, it's just beyond words. You know, in John 6, I love one of my favorite passages. John says, I mean, Jesus says, you know, even the words I speak are spirit and they are alive. You know what I mean? They're, they're not even like English words on a printed page. That's not really what the Word is. The words are a spiritual essence that He releases into our lives. Fortunately, the Holy Spirit captured them on words that have been translated to English for our benefit. It's a gardening manual. (laughs) These things we also speak. Amen. We also speak them. Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. That's the key to gardening. You know, is opening up your life to the light realm by the words we speak by the attitudes of our heart the demonstrations of our actions right the fruit of the spirit free uh, excuse me freely flowing through us it just creates an atmosphere even in dark environments that is inescapable people take and notice but here's the thing the natural man everybody say the natural man The natural man does not receive these things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, actually. Nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? He's quoting the psalmist here. Who has known the mind of the Lord? And then he answers the question. Right? Let's read this together. But we have the mind of Christ. Where does the mind of Christ reside? In your brain or in your heart? 
The mind of Christ resides in your heart. God wants to give you thoughts that you have no words for at the moment. Because His mind is in the mind of your spirit. Eventually you may, can't promise anything, but your human mind may be able to catch up and eventually develop words for those things that are spiritually discerned. Cultivating the kingdom is all about discerning things with your spirit, with the mind of Christ that we've just read about. You just know that they're true. Because this is another conversation I had recently. After all, who did Jesus say could see and hear the kingdom? The most intellectual of them all? The most educated? Now, it's actually the opposite of what we thought. You mean not the people who have studied the Bible the most? No, sorry. He told the Pharisees, you think you know the Father because you know the Scripture, basically. But I'm telling you, I am the Word. I'm the way. Just nailed them to the wall. That's right, Brianna. All their intellectualism was actually keeping them out of the kingdom. Am I saying don't read the Bible? No. But as you read and study the Bible, let the Spirit speak to your heart. We're really good at trying to make English boxes to fit all of our nice, neat theologies in to feel good that we have understood God. But you know what was beautiful about the garden? Is they would go for a quadzillion years and never discover the end of this Father, of this Abba that walked with them in the cool of the day. It's the mystery of God that makes Him worth finding out to me. And Jesus came and He said, It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. This is all about cultivating the garden in our lives. All right. Are you okay? All right, I'm just checking. Just checking. I love you, Byron. You're awesome. Romans 8. How many people like Romans 8? All right, good. There's some, there's some. There is therefore now no condemnation. Hallelujah. To those who are in Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to what? To the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law couldn't do, that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk. Now, if that will make you happy, I don't know what will. Woo, that is good news. Where was I? Who do not walk, thank you, according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's an important addition there. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Everybody say mercy, Lord. (laughs) But... Here's the good part. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. What do you think the world's looking for? They're looking for peace. I guarantee you. I was a desperate man one time going insane on my way to a mental institution, literally. And I said, if there's a God, if you'll give me one thing, I'll know you're real. I just want peace restored to my mind. And he did a miracle in an instant. 
And all the demons fled from my mind and the Spirit of God entered my life. And I was full of peace. I knew that's the answer to the world. The peace which is a synonym with the agape love of the Father. A love that keeps no records of wrongs. That honors people above and beyond what they deserve. That's a love that brings peace into our lives. And when you know that love and you know who you are as a gardener, you know, in Abba's garden, there's just no worries. Everything is good. Now, I understand everything is not good on the outward, but everything in the garden is good. Okay, well, Matthew, then how do I get into the garden? Okay, hold that thought. Let me finish this because this is really good. Life and peace. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anybody, anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Okay, now, five minutes. Before I get to my conclusion, I just want to say for anybody in this room who's wondering what this whole Christian thing is all about. You know, maybe you're sitting here this morning And, you know, you don't really know Jesus. Maybe you've heard this cliche of personal Lord and Savior. You don't even know what that means. Okay, let me just tell you in a nutshell what it means. Like I said, mankind lost that unity with God, the creator of heaven and earth in the garden. But Jesus came. He humbled himself as the son of God. He came and restored it to us all. And he said in John 3 that if you will be born again of the spirit, then you'll know eternal life now. And, and he said to change your mind, change the way you think about things, repent of your sins, which just means to turn from those things, change the way you think about what's right and what's wrong and what's good for you, and turn to him, because after all, he's got all the answers. And then here's the best part. Here's my favorite part. As you do that, a whole new world is going to open up for you. That you get to spend... The rest of this life, and then when you graduate into that world full-time, called heaven, you get to spend the rest of eternity cultivating that garden, working in that garden, continuing to fulfill your destiny, and in the greatest pursuit of the most awesome thing that you've ever been a part of in your entire life. I'm really not trying to sell you on something. Okay, I am. But what I'm trying to sell you on is the greatest free gift, so it's really not a sale at all, that you could ever have. Now, you're sitting there debating in your mind maybe whether this is true or thinking about what you'll have to give up. But I'm telling you, trust me, whatever it is that you have to give up is nothing in compared to the life that you're going to gain when you say yes to Jesus and you just say, forgive me, Lord. I know I'm a sinner. I've been selfish. I've I've made all the wrong decisions in my life. And I just want to turn my life over. I just trust you to be my savior, to be my father, to be my friend. Come into my heart right now, Jesus. Come and take that place. 
Mm. And if you're praying that prayer in your heart right now, just come up here and find us afterwards. The ministry team, that's what we're here for. Because God is going to revolutionize your life. You're going to get a new hard drive on your operating system like I did. And it's better than iOS 7 on the iPhone. I mean, it's something else. It's got Siri on steroids. You know what I'm saying? Like the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. And he'll get everything right, actually. And Siri doesn't even know where I live, you know. But anyway. Now, let me wrap this up. I sure do have fun with the Lord. How can I do this? How can I be a good gardener? Number one, I've already mentioned these, but I'm just going to say them again. Worship and give thanks. Sometimes I just have to put that iPod on. And like turn on my Jonathan Helser or, you know, my Sarah Bollinger or, you know, well, she's got one song on my iPod. But anyway, whatever it is. And I just have to worship. Sometimes I just have to sit in complete silence at about 1030 when finally the last kid stopped getting out of bed, you know, (laughs) at night. Just sit there and you can behold the wonder of your God. He really is in the stillness, you know, or what just worship. Let your heart worship with thanksgiving. And things, the atmosphere begins to shift and the garden is continually cultivated in your life. Number two, pray in the Spirit. Paul said, I I wish that you all spoke in tongues more than I do. You know, I really don't like it when people make tongues out to be like the least of the gifts. Because (laughs) later on in Romans, it says that the Spirit makes intercession. He prays through me in groans that words just can't express. There's a language that God gives, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. Catch you up to speed later. But the Holy Spirit fills us and prays through us, and when you pray in the Spirit, the light of heaven begins to cause those plants in our lives to grow. Amen? Here's what it says, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. How many people need that? For we do not know what we should pray. Ever been there? As we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession with us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints. According, here's the key to the will of God, right? And then we read about this in Joshua. Number three, how can you cultivate the garden? Meditate on his goodness. Meditate on his goodness. Meditate on his goodness. King David said this over and over to meditate, to think on these things. Paul said, whatever things are lovely, noble, pure, of good report, the list goes on and on. Think on these things. Do you know how powerful that is? Now, what about all the negative things that come into my mind? No. Just say no. I'm standing here with you. Just say no. No, that's not it. No, I'm not thinking about that. No, not right now. (laughs) Sometimes you have to say not right now because there may be an aspect of whatever that thought is that you do have to deal with in your everyday life. Okay, I'm not trying to play, trying to gloss over the reality of this natural life that we live. But God wants to breathe on the garden in our hearts. 
Meditate on these things. Think about the goodness. Think about all that He's said and done for us because He's worthy. Why don't you guys stand up with me? 1201. Did all right, Byron. 1201. I know if you've been around here for a while, you've seen this a lot, maybe heard this a lot, but again, we learn by repetition the way that we are. Um, Why don't you just put your hand on your forehead and say, servant, and then hand on your heart and say, master, servant, master, one more time, servant, master, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are good and you know things that words can't even express. Oh, that is so awesome, God, that I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to figure out my life. I don't have to figure out when the rapture's going to happen. I don't even have to know exactly who you want me to speak to later today because, God, you've got all my steps ordered. And you've breathed your spirit into my spirit, into our spirits, God, and you've put us all in a family. And you're our our Father, that by your Spirit, we got to cry out, Daddy, here we are, Father, Papa God. We just jump into your arms this morning, God. Lord, and I thank you that you, by the cross, you destroyed all worry, all fear, all doubt, all unbelief. We say no to those things this morning, God. You destroyed all sickness and all sin. Lord, you put it all under your feet. You destroyed all lack, God, that we might be prosperous and be successful. And God, right now, I ask you, Holy Spirit, even as you hovered over the surface of the deep in the beginning, that you would hover over the gardens of each person's heart in here this morning. Just hover, Holy Spirit. Let the glory of heaven fill their hearts, God. Let the glory of heaven fill their hearts right now. Just hover, Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. That peace of God is just coming into your heart right now. Coming into your life. Let's have our ministry team come up here. and um, If you prayed that prayer with me, you said, I want Jesus in my life. I, I prayed that prayer with Matthew. Come up here right now and tell, tell one of these folks. They're just going to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you, to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and His power is going to come on you. Or if you need, you need just hands-on prayer right now, maybe for sickness or for an issue in your heart that you're having a hard time saying no to those condemning thoughts or whatever, come up here. That's what we're here for. Boy, it was good to partake of the Lord's Supper together, wasn't it? Thank you, Lord, for that. So you guys be blessed. Have a fantastic weekend or week.